So today we're taking a break from our series on Luke's Gospel. And we're going to focus on spiritual gifts. We're going to take a Saturday afternoon to talk about spiritual gifts. And the reason we want to do this is because during COVID, with the restrictions that were put upon us here, we have not been able to have people come forward to share spiritual gifts that God has given to them with the church. So for about two, two and a half years, we have not been able to do that. And that's, that's been a long time. And now those restrictions have been lifted. We praise God for that. And so now we're free to have people come forward and share spiritual gifts with the church body. So we're taking a Saturday. The elders thought it would be wise to take a Saturday to talk about spiritual gifts, to lay a foundation in the scriptures, to talk about why they're so important and how we're going to be pursuing them. Now here's some background. The Bible is very clear that God gives every believer spiritual gifts, that as you exercise them, he will work through you to build up brothers and sisters who are trusting Christ and also to lead lost people towards salvation. Spiritual gifts like serving or compassion, generosity, powerful spiritual gifts. But there are also more charismatic for lack of a better word, spiritual gifts that God gives to his people, like prophecy and tongues and healing. Now, some Christians who are devoted to Jesus, love God's word, study God's word, have come to the conclusion that God is no longer giving charismatic spiritual gifts to the church. They've come to the conclusion that those gifts stopped when the Bible was completed in the first century. And we love those believers who hold that view. Other believers, like the elders here at Grace, believe that God is still giving those more charismatic gifts, like prophecy and and tongues and healing. We believe that God has not stopped those gifts, but that he continues to give them until Jesus returns, because of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, for example. So we believe we should be seeking these gifts and praying for these gifts, and as God gives them, exercising these gifts to build up God's people and to lead lost people to faith. Now, this is an area where people who love Jesus can lovingly agree to disagree, all right? And you may be someone who comes from a background where Maybe you were taught or just concluded from what was happening or not happening that that these gifts have stopped. And if if that's your conviction, that these gifts have stopped, we are so glad you're here. And you are welcome to be here. Uh, Again, this is an area where people who love Jesus can lovingly disagree. And so if, if you're okay with what we believe, we're glad to have you members of Grace Church. Is that really clear? I hope that's clear. Okay? Very important. But while you're here, I would love to persuade you that these gifts are still being given. And so I would encourage you, just take some time and study this topic afresh. Take a fresh look at the book of Acts, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, for example. Read, study, think, and pray. 
Listen to sermons that we've preached here. You can go to our website. Just look at the series called Spiritual Gifts, and all the, gift, all the sermons we've preached on the topic of spiritual gifts will be there. And as questions come up, email me, steve at gracechurchabudabi.com, and uh, we can get together and talk. We, we want to help you study the scriptures. Our conviction is that the scriptures teach that all these gifts are still being given and that they're all important. We need to practice them biblically. This is so important. But we do believe the scriptures teach that God is still giving these gifts. And the reason we want to pursue them is because God says that he will use them to build up his people. We need to be built up. And because God will use them to draw people to Christ. And oh, in this city, in this country, we want to draw as many people to Christ as we possibly can. So I thought I would just share with you a story from, from my, my past about how I experienced uh, God working in this way. This was years ago. I was on staff at a church in the U.S. And there was a godly, godly woman in this church. Everybody talked about her, woman of prayer, woman of the scriptures. And tragically, she was diagnosed with cancer. And we prayed, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. But God decided to take her home. She passed away. Now her husband, who was not a believer, uh, owned a gym, which was right near where the church offices were, and he, he gave all of us pastors free memberships. And so I got to know him there. Dear guy, not trusting Christ yet. And he asked me if I would come over to his house after his wife had passed away, come over to his house and meet with the extended family and just have a chance to kind of help them process this and talk about this. And I, I said I would, but I was really nervous. I wasn't sure what I was going to say or who was going to be there or what they believed. Or... So I was praying, 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 nervous, 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 and drove over there that night. Walked into the living room, about 20 to 25 people were sitting there. And we, we talked for a while about this woman and what an amazing woman she was. Everybody told stories about her and it was, it was a good time together. And, and then his high school daughter raised her hand. And she said, with tears, why did God take my mother? Whoa. And the Lord just worked by his grace. And I was so nervous. And, so, and I instantly knew what God wanted me to say. I think it was like a word of prophecy, just where this, this thought came into my mind. I wouldn't have normally chosen to say this, but it was there. His presence was strong. And so I said, you know, we're all grieving the passing of your mother. What an amazing woman she was. But one of the reasons that God took her home is because he wants you to come to Christ through this. The room became silent. And then she looked up at me and again through tears she said, I know. That's what he's been telling me. It was a powerful night. And that's just an example. I would not have ordinarily chosen to say that, but God impressed upon me that that's what I should say and, and he used it powerfully in her life. And again, I think that's an example of prophecy where God brings a thought into your mind that when you share it, people who hear it are benefited from it. 
And we long here at Grace Church for lots of prophecy and interpreted tongues and other revelations to be shared here in our gatherings. We want to get as built up as we possibly can be. And we want to see lost people who come in through these doors to receive as much benefit as they possibly can. So that's why we're taking a Saturday to talk about this. And the passage I want us to focus on is Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. A powerful, powerful passage. Acts 2, 14 through 18. Now here's the setting. Jesus had died on the cross paying for the sins of everyone who will trust him. Are you trusting him? All your sins can be paid for by what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, if you're trusting him. And that's why Jesus died, to pay for the sins of all who trust him. And then he rose from the dead, showing that his death did accomplish that. And then after his resurrection, he taught his followers. And one of the things that he said was, after I ascend into heaven after I go up into heaven, wait in Jerusalem and pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So that's what they did. They were in Jerusalem and they waited and they were praying together. And on the Jewish day of Pentecost, God poured out his Holy Spirit upon them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and felt the very presence of Jesus in their hearts, beheld his glory in, in, their, in their hearts, mind, the, mind's eye, like they've never seen it before, felt it before, his reality, his nearness, his joy, his love. Jesus is here. Presence of God was there. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were so empowered and exuberant that they went out into the streets of Jerusalem proclaiming the mighty works that God had accomplished through Jesus. Just speaking what God had done through the streets of Jerusalem. Now, because it was the day of Pentecost, there were Jews in Jerusalem from all different countries who'd come into Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And they spoke other languages, foreign languages. And as these believers were speaking the mighty works of God, <clears throat> God gave them the gift of tongues which in this case meant that as they spoke the mighty works of God, what he had done through Jesus, the words that ended up being spoken out of their mouths were in languages they'd never learned, foreign languages. The exact languages the people in the streets were used to. So all the people in the streets were able to understand the mighty works of God that they were speaking about. So picture it, all these believers heading out into the streets, proclaiming the mighty works of God in Jesus in languages they'd never learned. They're the exact languages that the foreign Jews who'd come into Jerusalem are used to speaking. So they're all hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Crowds were stunned. They're all speaking in the languages that we know. Although some in the crowds mocked and said, they're just drunk. They drank too much. So what happens next? Today's passage. Verse 14, Acts chapter 2. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, 
Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, starting at 6 a.m., 7, 8. It's 9 in the morning. No one's drunk at 9 in the morning, right? Third hour of the day. But, but instead of them being drunk, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be. So here Peter's quoting from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So Peter says, makes no sense to think that they're drunk. Six o'clock in the morning, or nine o'clock in the morning. So if they're not drunk, then what's going on? How does Peter explain what's happening? Let's dig a little deeper. Look again at verse 16. Peter says, this, what you've seen here on the day of Pentecost, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now Joel was an Old Testament prophet. And Old Testament prophets spoke perfectly flawless truth from God and wrote perfectly flawless words from God, which is how we have the Old Testament scriptures. Old Testament prophets spoke and wrote perfect truth from God. That's different from the New Testament gift of prophecy, which does not have the authority of Scripture and must be judged by Scripture. So any prophecy that's shared here as a church, we are called to evaluate it in light of Scripture. Crucial to understand that. So Joel was an Old Testament prophet. And look at what Joel prophesied hundreds of years before the day of Pentecost. As Peter quotes him, verse 17. Quote, And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now notice something very important here. This happened in the last days. What Joel is talking about will happen in the last days. When are the last days? Many Christians think that the last days are still in the future and are the days right before Jesus comes back again. That's what I used to think as well. But that, that doesn't fit what Peter, what Joel says here. Notice Peter says that what was happening on the day of Pentecost happened when? In the last days. The day of Pentecost, hundreds of years ago from us, happened in the last days. Do you see that? To see that, read verses 16 and 17 again. This is so important. But this, namely the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, quote, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So this outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost happened in the last days. So the last days are not something that's just future. The last days were happening on the day of Pentecost. 
So I would encourage you to, if, if you are, if you came in here today convinced that the last days were still future, right before Jesus returns, I would encourage you to just take out your Bible computer program and study the word last days, that phrase as it's used in the New Testament. You will see that it's not just the last few days before Jesus comes in the future. Let me give you one example. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Look at how that phrase is used in these verses. First two verses of the book of Hebrews. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, Old Testament. But in these last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So when did God speak to us through Jesus coming? It was in the last days. So the last days begin with Jesus' first coming and continue until Jesus' second coming. So the day of Pentecost was in the last days. Paul's ministry journeys in the book of Acts were in the last days. The Reformation in the 1500s was in the last days. And here we are, June 2022, we're in the last days. Tomorrow we're going to be in the last days. We're in the last days until Jesus comes back. It starts with Jesus' first coming, and the last days continue until Jesus' second coming. We are now still in the last days. So, what does Peter say will happen in the last days? Which is so relevant for us because here we are. We're in the last days right now. Do you feel the importance of this? What will happen? Read verses 17 and 18 again. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So in these verses, we see two main things that God is doing. First, he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. What does it mean to have God pour out his spirit? That's what God does for believers when they are first saved and what he continues to do in their lives throughout their Christian lives. The moment that you put your trust in Jesus Christ, turning from your sin, trusting Jesus to forgive you, trusting him to change you, trusting him to be your all-satisfying treasure, when from the heart you're trusting Jesus Christ, God will pour his spirit out upon you. And you will experience his love assuring you that you are completely forgiven. And you'll behold his glory and have your heart filled with that joy and love you've been longing for all your life. You have now found the treasure you've been seeking. And God doesn't stop that at the point of salvation. That outpouring, that baptism of the Spirit takes place there, but it, it, he, he repeats that outpouring throughout our Christian lives. It's not constant, but it is repeated numerous times as we seek Him. So, in the last days, God will pour out His Spirit. But why does it say, upon all flesh? In the Bible, that phrase, all flesh, can mean two different things. Sometimes it means all people. But we know that's not what Joel means here, because God doesn't pour out salvation upon 
all people. He pours his salvation out upon, well, it's what, it's what Joel says at the end there. It's on my male servants, God's ser- God is talking, my servants who are men and my servants who are women, who are the servants of God, they're God's people. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. So all flesh can sometimes mean everyone, but at other times, it means lots of people. Lots of people, which is what it means here. So in the, old, in the uh, last days, between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ, God is going to pour out his Holy Spirit upon lots and lots and lots of people. We're in the last days now, friends. This is what God's doing. That's the first thing that Joel mentions. Outpouring of the Spirit on all flesh. There's a second thing God does. He will pour out gifts like prophecy and dreams and visions. What is prophecy? I mentioned it earlier. Prophecy is where God brings a thought into your mind. You didn't come up with it. That's important also. There's times where God will use things you come up with. Okay, that's important. But prophecy is not something you come up with. It's a thought that God brings into your mind spontaneously. He, He brings it. And you share it with others. Now, it's important to test that by the Scriptures. If what you think is a prophecy from God contradicts the Scriptures, then you don't have a prophecy from God. Just your own thought. And it's mistaken. It's important to have it be consistent with the Scriptures. Prophecy is a powerful gift. Remember in the book of Acts, Agabus shares a word of prophecy with the church about how there's a famine, a serious famine coming. And so God's people were able to prepare and send money to those who were going to be hardest hit by the famine, and God powerfully blessed through them responding to that word of prophecy. So during the last days, remember, we're in the last days now, right? So during the last days, God's going to give gifts of prophecy. What are dreams? We all know what dreams are, right? Dreams are coming to us when we're sleeping. Some dreams, not all, but some dreams are from God and communicate important truth from God. Dreams must not contradict Scripture. They must be consistent with Scripture or they're just dreams, you know, those kind of dreams. They must be consistent with Scripture, but dreams can be powerfully used by God. Remember in the book of Matthew, when Joseph has a dream and the the meaning of it was that he should take Mary and the baby Jesus to Egypt to avoid Herod, who was killing babies at the time, in a dream. So during the last days, God is going to be giving prophecy, and he's also going to be giving dreams that are from God. Visions. What are visions? It's kind of hard to describe. You're awake, but you're seeing something that's not really there, but it's a vision from God. It has meaning. Right? It'll, it'll be important for people to hear, for you to hear. Again, it's important that they not contradict Scripture or that vision's not from God. The Scriptures are the authority. We test everything by the Scriptures. But do you remember Peter's vision that he had when this sheet was lowered down and it was containing all these unclean animals that the Old Testament said God's people should not eat? And God speaks in this vision and says, Peter... Take and eat. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus had said back in the Gospels where he declares all foods clean. Right? So pork is no longer 
a food that God's people don't eat, okay? That's here for the brides and the barbecues, okay? And whatever else, shellfish and so on and so forth. So, God gives prophecy, God gives dreams, and God gives visions during the last days. Now, notice who God gives these gifts to. Did you catch that? They'll be given to both sons and daughters, men and women. No gender barrier with spiritual gifts. They'll be given to young men and old men. So, young people, okay, you're included here. You young people who are trusting Christ, God may give you a spiritual gift that the church needs to hear. You old people, you can think, well, we're too old for this. No, you're not. Young and old. I love that. And then again, he says, male servants and female servants, again, to both men and women. So here's what this passage teaches us. During the last days, which started with Christ's first coming and continues until Christ returns. This is the last days. We are in the last days right now, and we have been for hundreds of years. During the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit upon many, many people. Oh, Lord, do it here in Abu Dhabi. It's the flood of salvation poured out here. Let's pray for that. But during the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit upon many, many people. And God's going to give gifts, including prophecy and dreams and visions. That's what Acts chapter 2, Joel's prophecy quoted by Peter teaches us. So, Grace Church, what does this mean for us? What do we do with this? From what Peter says, it it at least points strongly to the fact that these gifts are going to be continued to be given through the last days, through this time period. We see them continuing through the book of Acts. We see prophecy. We see dreams. We see visions through the book of Acts. We see them talked about in the New Testament. So Acts 2 points to the fact that these are given throughout the last days period, and I think that's clinched and proven by 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10, where Paul says that these gifts will cease when the perfect comes, which I believe is most clearly understood as Jesus returning. So I think we can conclude from this that God is still giving these more charismatic type gifts today. So what I want to encourage us to do, church, is to fast and pray and ask God to bring gifts to you like service, like generosity. Ask God to give you gifts, service, generosity, mercy. Ask God for those gifts. And I want to urge you to fast and pray and seek the Lord for the more charismatic gifts like prophecy, dreams, and visions. As you read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, you'll see that our prayer and desire for these gifts is a crucial component. No one can say, well, if God wanted to give me one, that's fine, but I'm not going to go looking for it, or I'm not going to ask him for it. It scares me to death thinking about what God might do. You don't need to be at all scared of what God might do. Oh, he will bless you. He will bless you. So 
Pray, seek, fast, expect, gifts, mercy, generosity, serving, prophecy, tongues, visions, dreams. So here's what I want want to call you to do. Three things. Number one, study God's word on spiritual gifts. We want to pursue spiritual gifts biblically. We must pursue spiritual gifts biblically. So study. And let me especially, as I said at the beginning, encourage those of you who are not so sure that God is giving them more charismatic gifts. Let me encourage you to to study this topic afresh. Like I said, listen to some of the sermons, email questions, let's talk about it. No pressure, just give you time and space. We're glad you're here. But do study. Study it afresh. All of us, let's be studying it. Then number two, I want to encourage you to take time during the week to wait on God for gifts. Take time during the week to pray and wait on the Lord for gifts. I want to encourage you to to come to our Saturday afternoon gatherings understanding that, that God wants you to come expecting to give something to other people. He, he does want you to come expecting to receive from him. Always come expecting to receive. We pray every weekend, Lord, touch every single heart that's here with exactly what we each need. Give strength, give comfort, give encouragement, give clarity. Oh, Lord, touch every single heart that's here. Come ready to receive. God wants to pour out his grace. Come ready to receive. And understand that God wants the body to be giving, sharing gifts that he gives to bless, encourage, strengthen his people, and draw people who aren't yet trusting Christ to Christ. So take time during the week to wait on the Lord. Say, Lord, give me something that I could share with your people on Saturday. Ask the Lord that. That's what we should be doing on a regular basis. Seeking the Lord, asking him, waiting on him. So what might God do as you wait on him for this? God might, maybe tomorrow morning, you're just waiting on the Lord, you're reading the scriptures, worshiping, and asking him, Lord, give me something to share with your people Saturday. He might bring a scripture into your mind with power that, and just the sense of, share this Saturday. You'll know in your heart, it's like, wow, okay, why? I don't know. And you may come next Saturday and share this scripture with us here. And there may be somebody sitting way back over there, and it's just like, Boom! Whoa! Yes! That's it! That's how God works. They go, why is this scripture be very important? Everybody all knows this scripture already. In obedience, share it and watch what God might do. God might give you, maybe Tuesday afternoon, you're taking some time to wait on the Lord. He might give you a burden from the Holy Spirit. Grace Church needs to pray for Afghanistan. We need to start praying for Afghanistan. And so, wow, really? Okay, so you, you'll share this with us next Saturday? I feel like maybe God's stirring us. We need to be praying for Afghanistan. And maybe we'll take some time right then and pray for Afghanistan. Maybe there will be a prayer group starting up to start to focus on prayer for Afghanistan. We might start to hear reports of what God's doing in Afghanistan. Maybe our prayers have a little part of that. But see, that, that's the kind of thing that God could bring to us as a spiritual gift. Maybe God will give you a sense as you're praying this week, waiting on him, that there's going to be somebody in the church next Saturday at our gathering here 
who's drifting into sin. And that God wants you to, to share. You, don't, you have no idea who it is, but God wants you to share what they're doing is sin. And God is just. And forgiveness is available. And they need to repent. And as you share those words, somebody just maybe starts to weep. Maybe we don't even know it, but just somebody just touched by the Lord. Yes, forgive me. I'm back. I'm home. And your word could have that impact. Do you see how this works? God is amazing in the kinds of things that he does. One more example. Maybe as you're waiting on the Lord this week, God just gives you this strong sense that he wants you to share next Saturday afternoon that there's somebody, there's going to be somebody there who, who needs to hear how real Jesus is and how he will forgive every one of their sins and change their life, change their heart, fill their heart with himself when they put their trust in him. Simple message. And, and you may share that simple message with the church next Saturday. And there may be somebody sitting right over here who's not trusting Christ yet. And the Holy Spirit uses those words to just show them Jesus. And faith is given. And they know they need Jesus and they put their trust in him. And they're saved right there because of that simple word that God gave you to share. Who knows what God could do? But in the, in the last days, which started with Christ's first coming and end with Christ's second coming, in the last days, God is pouring out his spirit upon many, 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 many people, and he's giving gifts, prophecy, dreams, visions, and others. So take time to wait on the Lord for his gifts. Third, on Saturday, when you come, share the gift that you've received with one of the elders. There will always be an elder here who is going to be here to receive and, and think through where you know, where can we share that gift in the service effectively? Now, you can share your gift during the week. Just email it to us, elders at gracechurchabadabi.com. That'd be fine as well. Or you can share it when you come. As God gives you a gift, maybe while we're worshiping in song, you can walk up to the elder at that point and share it as well. But then that elder will know where best that gift could be shared in, in the flow of the service. So share it with an elder. So three things. Study God's word on spiritual gifts. Take time to wait on the Lord for his gifts. And then on Saturdays, share the gifts God has given you with an elder. Now, let's wrap up by thinking about this. Why should we do this? We've already seen reasons from Acts chapter 2. It's because we are in the last days. And what God is doing in the last days is pouring out his spirit upon many, many, many people. And God is giving gifts like prophecy, dreams, and visions. Let me put it like this. We are in a spiritual war here in Abu Dhabi. This is not peacetime. I mean, politically it is. Praise God for that. Spiritually, it is not peacetime. It is war here. And Satan and his demonic hordes are fighting as hard as they can to weaken the faith of our brothers and sisters, to silence our witness, to distract us from who Christ is and that there's eternity and that there's the cross and there's heaven and hell. Satan is working very hard, battling, 
to weaken us, silence us, so that he can keep his death grip on hundreds and thousands of unbelievers here in Abu Dhabi. That's what we're up against. Which means we need all the help we can get. Right? To build up each other in faith, to share the faith with lost people. We need all the help we can get, and God has given us lots of help. And spiritual gifts is one of those helps. You need help. I need help. Grace Church needs help. So, pray and ask God to give you gifts for the people of God. Pray. Seek His gifts. Wait on the Lord for what He might give you. And then as He gives you gifts, let's be bold and obey and share them and watch what God does. Let's stand. Thank you, Father, for your mercy in Jesus Christ. That as we've sung earlier, by grace we are redeemed, by grace we are restored. We can be completely forgiven for every sin, past, present, and future through Christ's death. And you pour out your Holy Spirit upon all who put their trust in Christ. Thank you. Thank you. And Lord, thank you for the gifts that you give your people so that we can strengthen each other and so that we can advance the gospel. Lord, pour out your gifts upon Grace Church, we pray. Fresh outpouring of your spirit, we pray for, and fresh outpouring of your gifts, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.